KFGO. It's Seat Yourself on KFGO. We do this twice a month on It Takes You. We just have lunch with friends or coworkers in the studio and just chat, and you can be a part of the conversation. Amy, I've got the greatest compliment you could ever have for our guest today, which is this is the person you want to get stuck on the tarmac on a plane sitting next to. It's <laughs> Kevin Wallen. Because, it, Kevin, when you think of your career, my goodness, you've told so many different types of stories on you multiple have, continents. You have so many stories. That's what's fun because um, it can be one day interviewing a farmer who – you know, builds model planes, and then the next day something just drastically different. So it's like your job. You know, you're talking to different people, but, yeah, that's what makes it interesting. I think if I had to do, like, uh, I have to go cover something in court every day, I think that would be, okay. know, that, that might get old, but. Uh, Kevin Wallivan, reporter at WDAY-TV, have you been there for your entire career? I have, yeah, 40 years. Wow, 40 years. Congratulations. Side note. I used to give the uh, lunch menu and the sports scores on KWAD radio in Wadena from the superintendent's office in school. I love that. We've talked about we need to bring that back. Oh, I would great. love to just it's such hear a what. Great idea. <laughs> it's such it's a great such a great idea. Wonderful idea for a radio. <laughs> I, piece. And I think I think some lady back at, at the radio station, probably the, you know, someone when you walked in w- would record it then on a cassette, of and course. then. They would play it back, whatever slot. Yeah, yeah. So the, I love the sports that. scores and then, you know, square pizza for lunch. You're from Vining, Minnesota. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, and where? Uh, Henning Vining, was the school. Henning was, okay, that yep, yep. that was going to be my question. There's a, there's a little two-room school in Vining, so we went there for a couple years, and then there was a consolidation, and so there was um, busing then six sure. miles away. But, um, yeah, that, that uh, school is still... Um, open. It's more of like for Sons of Norway, and they have a museum there. Um, because honestly, is your senior picture though still up in a in a composite? In Henning, of course, yes. it's the worst. <laughs> I uh, back back in the late seventies and early eighties. I don't know if any of you can relate, but there was a, a brand of suit called Angel Flight, <laughs> and the suits had belts on the back. What? Yeah, like a kind of a thicker belt on the back yeah. of the suit it was like like, like saturday night fever bit, or just for no, aesthetic I think, purposes yeah exactly were they bell bottoms yeah yeah okay yeah. and Perfect. uh along with you know sedgefield jeans that was like yeah. the big yeah hit back then but yeah it was a great town to grow up in um did you have lots of brothers and sisters you know more cu- i had a brother and okay. he's a couple years older than me but and i didn't know any different because it was you know there's 40 50 people in town but a ton of cousins who I just assumed that was everywhere. I assumed every town, um, all of your cousins were like your brothers and sisters. Right. And, you know, even to this day, it's. Um, right. They're your really, first friends. Exactly. They're yeah. your first friends. I grew up with a ton of cousins who were like brothers and sisters to me. And I, I thought everyone had that too. It was like, well, doesn't everybody see just all their cousins at Christmas and Easter and right. Memorial Day and Labor Day? And <laughs> and they all kind of live around there. So it's like you don't you don't pull in their farm and like knock on the door. You pull in the farm and walk, walk in. in. Yeah. Which, which is kind of great. So yeah, it was a great uh, a great place to to grow up, close to the lakes. You'd ride your bike down to fish. It wasn't like fancy dancy 
in like sure. lake life. It was go down to the creek and fish on your bike and get back home. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah. My sister and I were the youngest in our family, like in that series of cousins for a long time. I've got younger cousins now, thank goodness. But so we were the hand-me-down yeah. kids, right? Oh, so yeah. my sister never had a new winter coat. She always had the winter coat from before. And then I have older cousins who live in Phoenix. Yeah. So I was wearing Suns gear all the time. And people were like, you're a big fan of the Phoenix Suns, huh? And I'm like, I've nope. never watched a game in my life. <laughs> That's I, great. This is basketball? Like, I should tell by the cut of this. Um, okay. So did you, are you, I'm imagining, are you watching TV growing up going like, I'm going to be a reporter. That's going to be me on the news? As JJ would say, bingo. Yeah. So late, to, so mid-70s. Uh, so we had one channel. It, it came out of Alexandria growing up, KCMT. And uh, there was a noon news show. So once in a while, I'd catch that. You know, my grandparents used to watch that a lot. But I would watch the evening news uh, with my parents. And that was, back then, that was um, Huntley Brinkley. So Chet Huntley and David Brinkley. And um, I'd mimic them. I'd set up a cardboard box pretending I was reading the news. So just, you know, weird kid. And uh, I'd imitate, I remember imitating Irving R. Levine. He was an economics reporter for NBC. Weird note, his son later was a federal judge clerk in Fargo. Oh, really? And I I told him that story, and he thought that was hilarious. I love that. Yeah, so it was kind of like something I wanted to do. Not sure it would happen. Um, You know, I I told my parents, hey, I want to go to college. And they said, fine, you can go. You're paying your own way. So... My mm-hmm. brother and I were kind of the first in our whole crew uh, to go to college, and um, yeah, worked out great. Where'd you go to college? MSUM. Oh, you are an M- Yep. So Which many dragons. dragons. Yeah, and I te- I, I've been teaching there, too, for about 20 years. I love um, it. Uh, journalism classes, so it's still fun to, to be there. I love MSUM. So for 40 years, you've seen pretty dramatic changes in not only you know how news is consumed, mm-hmm. but certainly in like how you're able to tell a story. Right. Right. Uh, You know, can you imagine if you could tell your younger self, like, listen, you're going to have a camera and you're going to be able to shoot for five hours. Don't worry about the it's got a battery pack on it and it'll save it all. And there's no real time transfer. That's crazy. You say that because, you know, when I first started, I don't know, like 120 pounds and you're and you're dragging along these big recorders and battery belts and this, that and the other thing. And then we were doing documentaries um, overseas with, um, you know, clunky videotapes. Um, in some cases, depending on the country, the government would, um, at the airport, I remember we were in Vietnam doing a documentary, they took our videotapes. Um, we had about 35 videotapes, and, and it was an incredible story. And I'm like, we are out of luck here. They're going to take them. Um but they took them for about an hour, and then they brought them back. And I know they didn't go through them because they didn't have the right equipment. But, yeah, think of that. you know. And now oh today gosh. we just shoot on a SD card or we shoot on our phones, and it's, yeah, the difference is crazy. The, the fact that you can use your phone and you can then upload it, like you can get it to the studio without having to drive back, it makes it so incredible because you, I mean, you've got citizen journalists now, right? You've got people who are capturing it, and it gone are the days of where, like you said, it's a clunky old video camera and it's not very good quality right. and anything at twilight or later, you can't see anything. But we now have these tools at our disposal. I just spoke uh, at uh, Fargo North for their career day, 
And I said, if you want to get into the business of making radio, if you want to get into podcasting, you, the, your tool's already in your pocket. Like your exactly phone has right. everything you need. And that's, you hit it because we've heard this in the last few months from people like, how do we get young people interested in going into TV news? You nailed it. They're, they're kind of already doing it, right? Mm-hmm. They're shooting with their phones. They're, you know, adding commentary or whatever, which is not, you know, news. But if you could sell it like that. I yeah. mean, look, look at the Holly fire. Look at our blizzards. Look at our tornadoes. A lot of it is just our viewers and listeners mm-hmm. sending in stuff. And our phones are such good quality now. Yeah. Um, we even shoot a lot of our video um with phones our interviews are still shot with the big camera just because it's better audio quality but yeah a lot of our stuff is shot with the phone it's quicker it looks good so it's crazy it's crazy um do you have do you have a story like if someone says hey what what's the thing that you had the most fun making or you're most proud of do you have a story that comes to mind faster than i others? think i think that's the worst question by the way it is it's <laughs> I, a horrible question i, I hate Which that question yeah. it, it, because and, in your career, I mean, we don't have the career that you have, but 40 years doing this every day, it, I tell people it's like a treadmill. You just get on it and you're running and you have no idea what just happened because you're on to the next thing. You're just yeah. going, going, going. And I kind of divide it up a little bit. I'll divide it up like the documentary stuff was, yes. was life-changing for me because, you know, small town kid going to these places that was like, holy smokes refugee camps and landmines and there's wars and this, that, and the other thing. But then the local stories that are just incredibly moving to cover and just, you know, interesting people all the time. So all those are, are fun too. But I think some of that documentary stuff, um, uh, going to Vietnam, going to uh, Angola, Africa, where we followed a little church quilt from more north of Moorhead, a little rural church. So these sweet ladies made this quilt, and we followed it to its final destination, which was a refugee camp in Angola during a civil war. So that was like super wow. life changing and incredible, mm-hmm. and uh, so that always kind of like sticks with you because they were kind of moments in your life. What do you feel about malaria medication? Hate it. It's the worst, isn't it? Ugh. Yeah, and people react so differently. I remember going on one shoot um, overseas where if someone has some like mental health issues it can really ramp up mm-hmm. and and get scary for them but yeah you feel really kind of cruddy it is like i've i've taken malaria medication once and they're like you can either have a pill that you take every day 30 days before during and then 30 days after or you can do these like five shots and i was like i'll just take the shots Yep. That first night, it was some of the most horrific dreams I've ever had in yeah. my entire life. And I went back and I'm like, I will take those pills, please and thank you. But even the pills will do like weird dreams. But Is that bizarre? Yeah, it's crazy <laughs> that they haven't come up with something better by now. <laughs> I <Right>? don't know. <laughs> this is Seat Yourself. Kevin Wallivan in studio with us. A reporter, a TV reporter. 40 years in Fargo. I did not realize that your career had been that long. You and Jerky hit the 40-year mark the same yeah, year? we started the same year, 83. Wow, that's cool. And I know you guys have a lot of respect for each other. Yeah, it's been show some up, good show times. up at award ceremonies together. You're both award-winning journalists. That's award right. Journalists. We were in New York and stumble. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> I'm in New York and like, isn't that jerky? That's jerky. <laughs> <laughs> that's great. Seat yourself. Brought to you by those South Fargo Dairy Queens. Amy and I are going to taste test some chicken fingers on Friday. Our job is so difficult. <laughs> so hard. Okay, so but hard. hold on. Can we talk about what we're having for lunch yes, today? Yes, we should. 
um, because we're having a very family style meal. It feels like it feels like we brought in Kevin Wallivan and we're like, let's all eat the same thing. It would have been easy to just do, hey, sandwiches, let's pick them up. Right. But this is like, I feel like I'm at grandma's. I know it's so good. So we went over to Kreps Family Farm. And it's right near our our building here at KFGO. It's on 13th Avenue. It's in that, if you're traveling west on 13th Avenue, it is the first little bank, uh, like strip mall that you're going to see. There's the the battery in the bulb store. There's yep. abandoned Taco John's at this point. <laughs> but Krebs Family Farms is an old little Caesars location. And when you walk in, they've decorated the whole place with all of these old farm toys. It is just, it's swell. And then I brought the two heaviest pieces of, or loaves of bread I've ever, like, encountered in my life. Yeah. So we all had mashed potatoes and meatballs for lunch. And it does. It tastes like you're just having a meal at home. It's real good. And they're the kind of place, like, you eat what they make. You look up their specials before you go. They're making one thing for lunch. It's a very Joel Heitkamp attitude You aren't going in saying, "Uh, can you make me a BLT? Right. eh, Probably not. (laughs) Nope, you're going to eat what they make. That's good. And to carry our conversation from earlier, there's a small pad of butter under every bun. So clearly it's the condiment of the meal that you're going to enjoy here. (laughs) Just in case there's not enough 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 stuff. (laughs) Enough stuff going on. (laughs) No, it's great. Seat yourself on KFGO, brought to you by the South Fargo Dairy Queens. Today with Kevin Wallivan sitting in studio, doing radio instead of TV today. It's kind of fun on this side, isn't it? I like it. It's different. (laughs) It is different. It is different. You guys are so polished over there in TV. You know, all of everything you're saying is written for you. Uh, Nothing we say is written. We're just doing radio. Uh, So we're a lot different. I, I had that experience when I would, at the beginning of my career in radio, we would go over to a TV station every right. day, and uh, I was like, wow, we are different. We are doing the same thing, but wow, we're different breeds. Yeah, so for for the anchors, you know, that's all kind of written on a teleprompter. For the reporters, you know, we're writing like our stories. Yeah, we yeah. write the stories ourselves, say like at, you know, 1, 2 in the afternoon. Uh, we go in and cut the audio. We mess that up, you know, two, three times, but then we get the final product without mistakes, and then we start editing. So when that final, like, two-minute story is done, it should be polished and without yep. mistakes or whatever. Right. Um, live shots, that's another matter. You know, anything can kind of happen on those. But, yeah, you're right. For the most part, there's very little, like, winging it because, right. again, it's like what you guys deal with. It's just time. You're down to seconds. And in yep. TV, you're sometimes pulling stories. You know, if, if sports might go a little long or weather might go a little long, then you're pulling a couple things in your newscast because it has to be down uh, to now, a second. Now, I, I don't know how you would describe yourself. Do you describe yourself as a certain kind of reporter other than just a TV news reporter? Like, I would call you more of a lifestyle reporter sometimes, or or you most often have those kind of stories. Is right. that the right word? Yeah, we're all general assignment reporters for the most part. Um, but I would say in the last, and it was not intentional at all, but in the last few years, um, you know, kind of a lot of my focus got over to some of these human interest type stories. Yeah. And it was mainly because, um, you know, it's, it's like people who might call you with, ideas for guests or what have you but we you know i get my story ideas uh just from viewers or people and it's often an email but um facebook uh, emails phone calls so it's still very um basic like how we get them and those you know those are the best like a couple weeks ago a guy said you need to reach out to this farmer down by barney north dakota he's got 700 model airplanes and aircraft carriers and stuff that he did himself and 
the viewer was, was right. It was amazing to go down there and, and see that kind of stuff. Or with the Burnsville uh, uh, police shootings, um, someone reached out to me, hey, the chaplain for Burnsville police uh, used to be your pastor at Trinity in Moorhead and was a chaplain at Moorhead Police. So that gave us a kind wow. of a local tie-in with that Burnsville shooting. So it's always just, you know, people picking up the phone. And, and be, if, you're, if you've been there a long time, people just, you know, feel comfortable well, reaching out. Well, I think people, people trust Kevin Wallivan. Like, that is an, that's yeah. a name that you trust. And it's interesting because sometimes people will reach out to me knowing that I'm in media. Like, oh, so-and-so called me from this station. Should I talk to them? <laughs> I mean, because... There is still that level of of apprehension when of people course. is getting called, but you have such a name that is synonymous with with trust and accountability, and you're going to get it right, and and you're not sensationalizing, but you're bringing real, um, um, you know, humanness to these human interest stories, and I can see why people would want to call you and have. It, I think it's sort of like that premiere thing. Like if you get Kevin Wallivan to do your story, man, yeah, you, well, you did good. You know, you over the years, you don't want to, you know, you don't want to get that reputation as someone who is just willy nilly and you know trying to make a name and then move right. on to big stuff. I, I never really had a desire to like, oh, I, I need to go to this market because that's kind of honestly what happens a lot in TV and radios. People want mm-hmm. to, you know, move get up to and a move bigger on. Market. It just right. didn't. Yeah. It wasn't you, but here's the funny thing is that you really did move up without wanting to. I mean, you, you're you legendary in this town. You've won multiple Emmy Awards. You've won a National Armuro Award, which is a, a national award as well. I mean, you have, you've done it right here in Fargo. Honestly, what's great about working in Fargo is, um, especially in radio and TV where you still have local ownership is there's just such um, they're willing to let you do stuff. Right. And you don't have to go to 50 layers of, you know, yeah. Um, uh, there's paperwork no, to get it. Done. There's nothing worse than having a great idea held back yeah. by someone who's like, well, right. Uh, so, yeah. And, you know, you know, worrying about money down to the penny, you know, on, on, you know, whether you go cover this story, or that story, they've just been so great about, you know, sitting down and say, well, what's what's this going to look like? And then more often than not saying, yeah, let's do it. But, you know, great, uh, great people, because a, a story is a team, right? You've got a, f- a photographer with you that you are kind of working in sync with. And um, so, yeah, it's, it's certainly not just me, because there's a there's a team approach to getting a story on an, on the air. And um, when you get, you know, the words and good video and that sound and all that, um, man, I just love that when it works when you have a, a documentary piece do you ever think about like hey m- maybe this would be worthwhile to send out to some festivals that specialize in documentaries i mean i have to imagine you've been replayed on networks that are friendly to you over the years yeah and like the documentary stuff i think our documentary um that we did th- that whole quilt thing in angola africa that did um got nominated what for a year national is that i want to say it was 90 Five or something like that. Okay, but just yeah. out of curiosity, like local news documentaries rarely get into festivals. But I know the New York Festival 
we were a finalist for one year on one of those documentaries. But. but I will say this. Nobody's really producing what you're producing right now. So while, you know, it's you can use that as an umbrella term, like, you know, you know, a news documentary. But, like, you are digging down deep and, like, telling a complete story in some of these. And that is the thing that, again, not everyone's afforded that, right? You know, some right. of these bigger markets, oh. they're not allowed to do stories that would say, listen, it's going to take two weeks of me, you know, traveling and then sitting in an edit bay. I remember we were out in New York at uh, the National Murals for our sex trafficking documentary in the oil fields. And we were sitting at the table with some other, you know, winners from uh, out, out east. And they're like, you guys are doing documentaries in Fargo, North Dakota. So that's a great point, JJ, because a lot of stations, man, they, um, you know, cut the corners and documentaries are not in the budget. Not that they're going to break the bank, but... You know, you, you you take people out of the mix for a week or two, and then you have to put it together. So it's a big investment, and, you know, it can be costly. Like that documentary in Vietnam where we followed um, soldiers back uh, to Vietnam was, was a little spendy. Yeah, I, I can imagine. Just to, And then to think that, as you said at the beginning, they were taking all the footage and like, yo, we may have nothing to show for this. We had a uh, member from the Communist Party escort us. 24-7. Really? We had to pay for their hotel room. And when we walked out the room, they walked out the room. And wow. And when, when we were shooting video of this, that, and the other thing, they were watching what we were uh, videotaping. And sometimes like, nope, you aren't shooting that flag or you aren't shooting that uh, military person or whatever. Oh, wow. Yeah, it was oh. crazy. I know? mean- I've been on some pretty. I've I've been given access to some like high level security stuff over the years where they're like, listen, you can't film anything, and like right. your phone rings and you pull out your phone to answer it, and they're like, no, 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 no. I can't imagine what it'd be like to have an escort like that nonstop your entire time there. It was super interesting too because of the nature of the story. Right, the whole point of that documentary is we ended up climbing this hill in Vietnam where the people with us had been on and had lost buddies. A mom and her son were on the climb because her husband had been killed on that hill, a medic, a conscientious objector, future Medal of Honor recipient, and there was a couple of Fargo guys involved. That, that's why we went. But my point is this communist escort from the party went with us to the top of that hill, and she was so moved. She was sobbing as they were telling the story of how their buddies died and how this this husband passed away on that hill. So it was interesting how she she could feel what was going on, uh, and so she wasn't this, you know, cold-hearted escort. You right. Know? Mm-hmm. It was kind of interesting. And what how what year is this? What is what was that documentary? It was called, called Healing on the Hill, and I want to say that was around ninety-eight. And uh, Al Amit was news director at the time, a Vietnam veteran. And, um, yeah, he he was all in on this. Yeah. It, 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 it kind of did a turnaround, to be honest, because on the plane ride over there to Vietnam, we're thinking, oh, we're going to follow this Fargo guy, which we did. But on the plane, we're hearing the story of this mom and, and son. The son never met the dad because um, he was a baby. Um, but we're hearing this story, and I'm like, we have to rethink this. <laughs> yeah. This this is the story here. Mm-hmm. No cell phones, you know. So it wasn't until I got back to Fargo, I'm like, hey, boss, um, 
this is taking a little bit of a turn here. It's it's not what what you think it's going to be. We still included the Fargo angle, but the push was this, you know, this walk up the hill, which you had to kind of find your focus when you got over there, and that was that was it. It was so well, emotional. I think any great documentary filmmaker will tell you that it's the things you don't expect, and it's just sometimes you're like, how did I end up in the right place at the right time? One of my all-time favorite documentaries is really hard to get people to watch. It's called A Fistful of Quarters, and it's about people competing to have the world's highest Donkey Kong score. <laughs> and you would think, oh well, God. that's silly and stupid, but it becomes about good versus evil. It is, right. like, insane. And the guys who made this documentary, who've gone on now to make other huge movies, said, listen, it was all dumb luck. It was dumb luck that we happened to be here when Guinness called and like wanted to make them the world record holders. It was dumb luck that we captured this thing on this day when someone just randomly stopped by. And they said it like like you said, you can't go in and think this is concrete, this exactly. is what we're doing because you need to be open to those things coming to you, right? Oh man, yeah, you don't want to plan. It. Yeah. I love that guy. Yeah. yeah and you don't want to over plan, you know, yes. a shoot like that because uh, you, you want to be flexible because, like you said, JJ, some of the best stuff is stuff you didn't prepare for. Mm-hmm. And even in your, I would I would guess, like even in sort of when we do interviews, sometimes the best things are the things we didn't even expect to happen when we go out to do something or we go we, we interview someone and then it was like, well, this took a this took a turn somewhere else. And I'm sure it's like that still on a daily basis for you. This is crazy that you say that because this morning I was talking with some folks um, uh, in the Twin Cities that have a nonprofit to uh, get prosthetics for Ukrainian soldiers and kids. And during the interview, a kid slid in to the Zoom, and it was a 17-year-old soccer player. He was a professional soccer player, and he and his friend were on the practice field with their soccer ball, and a drone dropped a bomb on the field, killed his friend. The, the friend lost two legs and died right there. This kid, professional soccer player, contract, lost a leg and is paralyzed. Oh, my god! And that just came out of, like, not part of the story, right? And now suddenly it's like, holy smokes. Yeah, we've changed directions. Exactly, yeah. So Is that your story for today? Is it that is what... not. I'm oh, okay. kind of sitting on it for a while. Okay. But soon to come. Yes. Yes. This is why you need to keep up with Kevin Wallace. <laughs> Do you ever find it hard to to push the pause button for a second on a story and be like, I need to work deeper on this? Because you must have, a, you know, want to get that story out immediately in a lot of cases. Yeah. And to be honest, we have to have a story. Yeah, you have right? deadlines. So like yeah. coming here today, it wasn't like, hey, boss, I'm talking with Amy and JJ. Are you good with that? You know, no story. I had to kind of work ahead so that I had something for today because, you know, there's only four of us, you know, four reporters during the day. So, um, yeah, you have to you have to produce something, which means the planets have to line up every day. Every day. People have to be there. Yeah. Yeah. It's crazy. It's hard. It's it's a grind. Well, you guys know lining up guests and trying to make it work. Someone gets sick. Someone is called out. A flight's delayed. They're not here. Yeah. yeah, and you know it's it's crazy because I was like, other people just like go to work, and they don't have this feeling of like, okay, this is, I got no matter what's going on in your personal life, no matter what's happening outside of this world or this these walls, you're like, I got to turn it on. We're gonna be, we got we're going on. 
I think about that every night and every morning walking to work. I'm just like, okay, all right, is is this going to work today? And should I have something right. as a backup? Because I'm just kind of like, yes, uh, yeah, 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 which is fine. You know, it is good. It's, it's, it's what we all live for. Yeah, it's it's what we want. We I don't I don't know if we'd want it any other way. Exactly. I think <laughs> we'd all get a little. I think bored. eventually you get. You you train your eye and your ear to look and hear things a little bit differently too, and be like, wait, hold on, that's a that's a good story right there. You know, the implosion of a building <clears throat> is huge news, but also the story of a, a small town like grocery store, right? Who's right. like, hey, listen, they're doing this to stay open. Well, that's interesting. I love those little kind of surprise nuggets that you know you might get on a story. Um, we did. Uh, couple of heart transplant stories recently and i'm always surprised at the little surprise nuggets you get um when you're talking with donors and recipients and how their life has changed and something like that so yeah i love those stories i like surprise nuggets that we can kind of like pop mm -hmm. in the middle of a story i love it kevin walvin you are one of the best of the best thanks for being a friend to kfgo and thanks for what you do in our town to tell stories we're getting lots of fun text messages in at 35270, thanking us for having you on and speaking your accolades. Also, did you used to babysit Jesse Grabo? <laughs> His parents are from my hometown. Oh, my gosh, I love yes. that. Yeah, great kid, great family. So yeah. his aunts and uncles, parents, yeah, great friends. So that's pretty funny. <laughs> what a great little connection. I love it. That's great. <laughs> uh, so follow along with Kevin Wallivan, of course, and keep sending him good stories. We love it. Yeah, Kevin Wallivan. Thanks, you guys, and thanks for the grub. Yeah, you're, you're welcome. welcome. Thanks Thank to you. Krebs Family Farms. That was delicious. It was really delightful. Good.